Hey everybody, it's CJ Graham, Jason Voorhees. That's right, Friday the 13th, part six. And you're listening to the Screaming Chewy Show. Screaming Chewy Show, your source of entertainment and overall fuckery. And it starts now. This episode is brought to you by Dubby Energy. Tired? Hmm? Craving an energy drink, but you don't want to feel shitty and jittery afterwards? Well, try Dubby. Dubby Energy has this neural factor. It's a patented all-natural coffee cherry extract to help fuel you. Yeah, this ingredient is what gives Dubby its laser focus and fast reflex effects, making it perfect for gamers. So, whether it's just had a long night, you know, just need some energy to go to work, Maybe a pre-workout or you want to get some gaming done, Dubby is for you. I highly recommend this. And they got some amazing flavors as well. Uh, very creative too, such as Dragonade, right? Dragonberry and Lemonade, um, Galaxy Grenade, Beach and Peach. Yes, delicious. It's basically Kool-Aid that gets you pumped. So what the hell are you waiting for? Check them out at Dubby.gg. That's D-U-B-B-Y dot G-G. Yeah, and guess what? And for 10% off, at checkout, enter this coupon code, right? I got you. It's Screaming Chewy SH, all right? All together, caps. Screaming Chewy SH. And yeah, you got 10% off. Dobie, check them out. everyone welcome back to another exciting episode of screaming true show i'd like to welcome special guest jason Voorhees himself cj graham how you doing cj hey chewy thanks for inviting me on the show i appreciate it hey fans how you doing out there man um just gotta say i'm a big fan of your work thank you uh who knew three decades later we'd be having this conversation i'm honored thank you very much Hey, and I mean, this is a dream come true for me, man. Like, like I was telling you earlier, I'm a big fan of Friday the 13th, you know, and um, Highway to Hell as well. I, I seen that when I was in high school and that, that movie stuck with me. That it's, it's a badass movie. Yeah, you know, um, you know, in fact, let's talk about Highway to Hell. Before uh, I did that film, I did the Friday, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But Highway to Hell was a really cool part for me. It was a part that unfortunately... Hemdale bankruptcyed around the time they were getting ready for distribution of it through the theaters in about 91. So unfortunately it sat on the shelves of a library United artists and MGM bought it a few years ago and made a distribution into uh, Blu-ray. Uh, but hell cop, I mean, if you really take a look at it, you ever heard of a guy named Ben Stiller? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got about six seconds in it. He was so, in uh, that? Once he get about 20 million a movie now. Yeah. <laughs> So, and then of course, Christy Swanson was in it, Buffy and the Vampire, and Rob Lowe's younger brother, Chad Lowe. Um, there are some other people in it. Um, ben Stiller's mother and father who are gone are in it. And I believe Ben Stiller's younger sister uh, had a small part in it. So they've got some cameos in there, but that was one of Ben Stiller's first little six second parts, cooking eggs on the concrete in hell. 
Wow. I, I totally forgot he was in that movie, but I mean, like you said, he, it was six seconds. <laughs> yeah. So, but it was a great thing. Lita Ford, you know, uh, rock and roll singer from the eighties, you know, she's still out there today, but it's too bad the distribution fell through um, the company. Just, it is what it is. I still have uh, maybe eight or 10 of the original posters that were being distributed to the theaters. That's how ready they were to go with it. And Hemdale had a lot of films out. It just, this is one that was in the can ready to go and the company went sideways. So I still have those posters in the garage in the same box that were mailed to me back in 1991. Damn, man. And um, Hellcop, so... Uh, it you know, being Jason, um, did you kind of use some of the same techniques for Hellcop? You know, it, it was of a similar character. I didn't get to talk. And as you can see, uh, I don't talk well, but I can talk. Uh, you know, the thing about it, they were still looking for that physical structure. You know, most of the stuff I did in Hellcop physically, that's just me. I'm 6'3", 250. Um, you know, at that time, I'd only been out of the military a little bit of time. So I still have that 30 inches all around cadence walk. I still do it today. Um, so more natural than it was having to impersonate. Uh, and that's what they wanted. So for me, it just was, okay, I can do this. I mean, this is just me going down to the gym. Wow. And of course, did you do your own stunts in that movie as well? Absolutely. But there weren't that many stunts for us. I mean, uh, it wasn't like Friday the 13th where we're being set on fire and underwater and going through doors and walls and shotgun uh, jerkbacks. But uh, everything was me, 100%. I enjoyed it. We shot it around Lake Powell uh, in the Arizona area. It was hot as hell, excuse the phrase, the punt. But it was fun. I wish it would have got a distribution like uh, we had hoped. It would have been a nice launching platform. As people see it 30 years later, or they don't realize that I played Hellcop. Most people don't look for the credits at the end of a movie. Once the movie's over, they get up, leave, they turn it off. <laughs> Uh, so every once in a while, I'll be at a convention and somebody will see a picture of Hellcop and they'll go, oh, you were Hellcop? Oh, snap. They didn't realize it because they never watched the credits. They just assume it's another actor, stunt person doing a film. And uh, you did really well. And in fact, towards the end, when, when you Hellcop comes out of the, the police car on fire. Right. Like that reminded me so much of like Terminator kind of. Like, yeah. and well, that it was the same era, you know, 90. Well, we shot it in 87 or 88. So it was the same era. You know, I mean, you got to remember when Friday the 13th came out in 1986. If I recall correctly, the movie of that year was Top Gun. Oh, yeah. So everything was right around that era. 84, I believe, was Terminator, give or take the first one. So everything was kind of laying out a platform of, uh, you know, physicality. And, um, so how did you get into Friday the 13th? Well, you know, I fell into it, Chewy. I mean that sincerely to the fans. I mean, I, I really believe in good karma. And I also believe in hard work. Uh, sometimes there's luck also. So never rule out luck. Um, I was a general manager of a, a large nightclub, about 15,000 square foot club in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. And on Thursdays, I had a hypnotist on stage. And, you know, he had a great crowd that would come in and watch his show. And for a Thursday, you're trying to fill a slot. Weekends are easy. Thursday, he had a good full house. He decided to have a production company come in and shoot his show because he wanted to put a tape together. Back then, it was a VHS tape, so he could promote his show for other venues. And the company that came in was called Real Effects. And it just happened to be the same people that did the special effects on part four with Ted White. 
And they said to the hypnotist, why don't you do a scary feature with Jason coming through the screen? And they said, we've got the wardrobe from part four from Ted White. CJ will fit right in it. And uh, don't laugh, but the rest is history. Here we are three decades later talking about it. Damn, man. Just like that, huh? And, and it is. That's why I say sometimes you're great at what you do. You don't get the job. Sometimes you're not good at what you do when you get the job. And sometimes there's luck involved. But at the end of the day, you need to perform uh, when you get the job. And at this time, uh, it was my first acting job. I'd never done a stunt in my life, but that was part of the contract. So everything was OJT uh, on the job training. So everything I had done was the first time, but with uh, unequivocally, you know, every stunt was me. Wow. First time acting and doing stunts. And I mean, you did amazing. I mean, obviously I, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. I'm fortunate. And again, I'm humbly appreciative to you, the fans that, you know, here we are 34 years later talking about it and iconically the Jason, the Friday the 13th, the hockey mask is just, it's global. It really is global. And so um, was it, was it harder acting without speaking? Cause you have to do it more. It's more of a physical thing, right? Yeah. You know, a lot of people laugh, not laugh, but a lot of people say, Oh God, you didn't really have to say anything. Well, that's true. Didn't have to remember lines, but, I challenge anybody to put a hockey mask on black one eye out. Now you've only got peripheral vision and I want you to look in the mirror, show that you're angry, curious, powerful, forceful. And, but you can't show your facial expressions. You can't show anything in your eyes. You can't show your voice. You can't flip them off, you know? <laughs> so with that, it's a little more challenging than most people realize. And a lot of people try it. I mean, try walking when you can't see your feet in front of you as you put them down. Wow, that's uh, that's you know that, that you're totally 100% right, right there. Um, by just showing emotion with it, just your body, you know, um, that's some talent. It, and it, you know, it was just a good good luck, and for me to be forceful with again, I think I was 245 when I did the movie. I'm 247 to 250. Uh, you know, now. So, I mean, structurally, I'm the same size. The great thing about playing Jason is physically, it's all physicality. Uh, when I do conventions now and I put the wardrobe on and do photo ops with Alice Cooper and myself and the fans or just me and the fans, um, structurally, I'm the same size. So everybody thinks, oh, it's just CJ and a wardrobe. But when they come around, the, they come around that curtain and I'm standing there there's a hesitation on every single fan. It's like, oh, this is getting real. <laughs> and when they get up to me, they start talking to their friend and they start, well, oh shit, oh shit. And when I grab them and pull them into me, the, the facial expression says it all. And about that time, the photographer says, one, two, three, snap. <laughs> so, but they're not looking at my face. It doesn't matter. I got some gray that I didn't have then. The same shoulders, same waist, same everything structurally, the wardrobe, it, it really sets a precedence for the fans. So I've been fortunate enough that when people do take photo ops with me, they look at me and go, God, you could do it tomorrow if you wanted to. And, you know, since it is a physical structure and I'm still the physical same size, yeah, I could. Yeah, man, you're in great shape and you're a very intimidating guy, man. You're a big guy. Um, I could tell yeah, you well, have a very uh, serious workout routine. You know, I, I did when I was younger. In the last three, four years, I've really relaxed a little bit. I go every other day, though. I still go 40 minutes. I maintain my physical size. I'm not benching 405 pounds as I was five years ago. 
Wow. Uh, I'm just more tight and want to maintain. And, you know, I don't play golf. That's not my thing. I, I, you know, so my thing is going to the gym every other day. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm retired in Montana. I've got a ranch. So I'm working on a ranch. I got horses and animals. You know, I can be out there fixing barbed wire one day, you know. So today there was uh, six inches of snow last night. So I was making sure all the horses' waters didn't get froze up. Damn, man. That's a lot of work. Horses, man. A lot of work. Yeah. I, one of them stepped on my right foot about six, eight months ago. It still hurts. Trust me. <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. So I, I screamed and, and tried to push her off my foot. She got scared because I reacted, but she got me. It wasn't, she, they, don't, they don't know. They don't realize. They're just standing next to you and they move eight inches and that's a thousand pounds, 1100 pounds, you know, they're big as a moose. Oh man. So, but you know, for me, that's my, my thing. I still do some of it. Um, you know, Chewie, I mean, I'm 63. I'm almost 64 in about two months. So, you know, I'm happy structurally that I've been able to maintain my health reasonably. Uh, I'm not, you know, 25 anymore, 26, 27 doing the movies, but you know, I'm okay. You know, I'm okay. That's good, man. And um, so how long were you in the military? I was in the military 46 years ago. So I spent four years, infantry, wow. grunt, um, 11 Bravo 20. Um, I got an honorable discharge after my serving my time. And from that point, I just went in into different roles. So, and then I kind of grew up a couple, three years later, I was dealing crabs, 21. And I decided to go to LA. And from that point on, again, here we are, the rest is history. I did work in the uh, industry for five, six years doing commercials, acting and stunts. And then I went back to Las Vegas and grew through the ranks of the casino organization. And, uh, you know, I retired from a chief operating officer, general manager over two different casinos. Uh, before that, I was a general manager of another billion dollar casino, you know, give or take 2,500 employees. Before that, I worked with uh, Steve Wynn, Caesars, The Palms, George Maloof in Las Vegas. Uh, and I retired about three years ago, which now gives me an opportunity to take care of the ranch more directly and do some conventions, meet fans, do podcasts, um, and try to give back a little bit humbly for what they've given me. Amazing, man. Amazing work. And um, so your fans... um. Do you like, like kind of pretend you choke them or something when you take pictures with them sometimes? No. Well, let me put it this way. You do grab their collar. You got to be careful to be fair. You never know who's had a surgery. They don't, you know, you can't talk. Hey, how are you feeling? So when they come in, most of them, what I'll do is put my hand on your shoulders and I do kind of have a big hand with the gloves. And when they feel that hand on the shoulder, all of a sudden it's <laughs> because, you know, uh, and then I pull them towards me or, you know, so now we're like looking right in the hockey mask and usually they can barely see one eye. So they love it. Uh, sometimes I'll come in with families, little children. Uh, the thing about it is, you know, if you take a look at some of the photos that are online that we've done, you know, the photograph is exactly like I stepped right off the screen, right out of the movie and decided to take a photo with a fan while I was on set. Wow. So all the, uh, makeup and everything and everything's exactly the same everything is a hundred percent the same damn that's legit right there yeah yeah and that's the nice thing about it is when we created the wardrobe about three years ago uh i had about five or six good people help me different pieces that do different prosthetics and wardrobe and different things the interesting thing is you know as far as the actual wardrobe when i put it on in 1986 
uh, I already knew what it was because I was Vietnam era. OD fatigue shirt, khaki pants, web belt, 30 caliber holder, 18 inch jungle machete, jungle boots, you know, and kind of a Rambo hunting knife. So I was able to find that equipment easily. And then I shipped it off to some people that put all the holes in. I sent them personal pictures of me from set to make sure that all seven holes in the chest were in the exact same spot. The prosthetics, somebody made that uh, for the head out of uh, Canada. Somebody down in Arizona made the knife for me. Uh, the machete was a very simple 18 inch uh, jungle machete, very similar that you'd find at any, any outback where you go shopping, you know, um, Walmart probably has them, Ace Hardware. Uh, and then I had another person up in uh, Illinois who's a cop uh, Devonport, he made the darts, you know, he's a specialty in making the darts. So a lot of people contributed to get that wardrobe together. Man, you know, a lot of people don't realize how much hard work goes just into that, you know? Well, the, and that's continuity factors when you're doing a movie, you know, and you're not shooting the movie sequentially. So every time something happens and you're at the end of the movie and you've got to change wardrobe and then you got to go back to the front of the movie, uh, the folks in charge of continuity have to make sure you put in the white right piece of the wardrobe on if you remember with my hockey mask it was great then there was a piece where there was blood on it because i spattered the uh officer's head and then there's a piece where i get a 357 in my head and then at the very end which you think is the end i got the piece chewed out from the propeller so you're jumping back and forth and then when i come out of the water all the blood is gone off my mask because the water washed it off so you got to make sure you have the right mask on at the right time Oh, wow. A lot of, it's on the details, right? Yeah. And that the folks that handled that are, are, are professionals. My job was just to step out and do a, do a job and they did theirs. So what was the most challenging part of acting for you? You know, it, I didn't really feel there was, um, you know, I'm being an ex soldier, just, I got a job to do, give me my mission and I'll be on my way. Um, since I was and still feel physical, ability to do things. Um, it was pretty cool. I read it, went through my job. You know, Tom McLaughlin, the writer director was wonderful with me. He knew I was basically green as could be, but he really wanted that physical that I had. It was, that's it. That's it. Frank Mancuso let him go that direction with somebody that wasn't skilled as a stunt man. And it was very successful for both of us. Thank goodness. But he was very, he sit down with me and clarifies, you know, cause you're not talking uh, so you can't put your own twist too much on it. But he really explained what he was looking for. He didn't want a zombie. He didn't want a zombie, but he wanted it to be of similarity to coming back to life like a Frankenstein with connectivity where the brain cells were starting to work. And Jason was starting to think a little bit rather than just be a zombie walking around. Uh, you know, Jason was on a mission. And I think in part six, Chewy, if I, I, I could be wrong, maybe the fans could could elaborate i think the fans will tell you part six is where jason became the principal of the friday the 13th series and everybody wanted to see what jason was going to do next they already knew somebody was going to die but they wanted to see how jason was going to go about his day very true and uh you think it was because of that lightning rod that uh they hit that spike yeah i believe so because uh tom mclaughlin is a big universal horror fan as i am and if you go back to the 60s or the 50s where Jason, or excuse me, where Frankenstein comes back to life with the electricity, same conceptual idea, thinking it through. And not maybe as much then as to today, because who thought about it? I mean, 
I was out to do my job. I, I did my, my job. I got paid. And I really didn't think anything of it. I had no idea. Three decades later, it would become a worldwide icon. You know, you don't think about that. You, you mean, I'm very, very fortunate. Myself, Leatherface, Michael Myers, and Freddy Krueger have been able to rule in do the dom dominant uh, force over 40 years, approximately, since about 1980. Um, who knew? There's been a lot of new ones come out, it and a few others. But at the end of the day, you know, those four musketeers seem to just keep pushing forward. Very true, man. Uh, very legendary. And um, you think if they called you right now and they're like, hey, we're making another Jason, would you be up for it? Well, it, you know, here's, and I mean this sincerely, Tom McLaughlin, who has now written a new Friday the 13th part six, which would be extension into part seven, which technically would be part 13. Oh. And he is working diligently on the other side to see if he can get uh, Mr. Cunningham and Mr. Miller to come to ideas where we could shoot part 13. Tom has a script. He's talked about it on air. Uh, Tom wants to do something where Jason is in the snow. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, things that are out there. But Tom has even talked about on podcast that if he could convince me to do it, he'd like me to entertain the option. Um, we've had this conversation one-on-one, -on -one, like you and I sitting together and talked about it. And here's my answer to him, Tom, I don't know a lot about writing, but I, I don't want to go to Mars. So if the script isn't as good or better than part six, you know, I did good. I don't want to go to Mars. I'm just going to be honest. And, and he goes, no, it would be, you know, he's got some ideas and, and, and I won't say them because they're his. It really sounds great to be quite honest. Secondarily, Unless I can give you, Chewie, and the fans a performance as good as part six or better, then I wouldn't do it to the fans. I don't want to be a has-been. Let's step back on the screen. So if everything looked good and I can line up the stars, I might have to put some tape on my ankles like football. Uh, I'd consider it seriously because part 13 is going to be the magical plat launching platform as part six was. When part six was put out there, everything just kind of went forward. I think part thir 13, it's been 10 years, is really going to be the magical one that's going to have to be picture perfect. So I'm hoping Tom gets a shot to do it. He's a great director, great writer. And if he truly does, after talking to me, uh, laid in front of me, um, if I could give you the product, yeah, I'd take a swing. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, everyone. Quick message from Tucson's Rising Phoenix fitness and defense help treat anxiety and depression with martial arts training and education develop the confidence skills and fitness you need to stay safe our focus is real world self-defense tactics practical and effective for everyone you can find them at 4500 east speedway boulevard number four tucson az 85712 or you can call them at 520-838-1592. They are open from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. So hit them up. Learn martial arts, very therapeutic, and you can learn to kick ass and kick depression's ass as well. So um, hit them up. The bar is open. <laughs> Sit back, grab a cold one, 
and get ready for the news you didn't even know you needed. From the frozen wasteland of western North Dakota to the tropical playground of Florida, it's time for tales of wonder and amazement. Put the kids to bed and pour yourself a drink. Lock the doors and close the blinds. Break out the cocaine and hookers. It's time for Happy Hour News. Hey, so I'm sure you've noticed I've been getting a lot more celebrity guests on my show. And this is all thanks to Steve Joyner. He's a publicist. And man, this guy takes his work seriously. He does not fuck around. And this guy is keeping me busy, yo. He, yeah, I'm just getting so many celebrity guests. Thank you so much, Steve Joyner. And um, if you yourself are an actor, director, producer, and you are looking for a uh, publicist, do not hesitate to contact Steve, right? He is a really cool guy. You'll love him, okay? His phone number is 816 605-4561 or if you would like to email him it's uh, all one word starts with a capital S and it's stevesjnetwork at gmail.com so again starts with a capital S and then it's t-e-v-e-s-j-n-e-t-w-o-r-k at gmail.com Tell him Screamy Chewy sent you. You will not be disappointed. And uh, yeah, so big shout out to you, Steve. Thanks again, bro. Peace. Hey, y'all. It's Ivan from The Gefilte Show here. A motivational, inspirational podcast where we feature great guests such as Screaming Chewy. Be sure to check out more at gefilte.com. You know, because it'd be a huge comeback and... um. I, you do amazing, and I could see that military in, in your walk, like in Jason and Hellcop. You know, very good posture and um, just the way you walk. Well, you know, I mean, you, you a lot of fans and may know this or may not. I mean, I was slotted to do part seven, so uh, and Paramount said go ahead and use CJ. They were happy with the part six performance. Good friend of mine, Kane Hodder, stuntman forever. Um, huge horror fan, huge. I mean, huge. Uh, John was the director and he went to John and, uh, you know, had his own conversation where he really wanted to be involved in the uh, Friday the 13th. And John said, okay, I've worked with you before. I was satisfied. And John had to go to Paramount Studios, Frank Mancuso Jr. to get a change so that now we never started shooting to be fair, but once Kane took the role and Kane has done a great job, you got to remember Chewie, Kane did four of them, and he's been an amazing ambassador for the Friday the 13th series. Yeah. That man is out there every weekend, of course, not 2020, doing conventions and meeting fans. So he has been part of the successes. So I would never take anything away from him. Uh, you know, I was in, I was uh, contacted through management uh, about Freddie versus uh, Jason, and uh, – you know, I was general manager of a, a, a mega resort, billion dollar resort. And it wasn't like I was going to leave uh, a job for eight weeks and go shoot a movie. I mean, they pay you, don't misconstrue, but they don't pay you that much. Uh, so it wasn't worth me quitting a job, you know, where I was making five times as much in a year just to go work for two months and then be unemployed. So I did pass and moved on. I mean, my career had already been established as a casino executive. There was no reason for me to 
jump back in the industry. Now today, going back to your question, since I'm retired, I'm, I did a film a year ago called Vengeance, uh, which was a great fan film. Steve Dash was in it. And I got to play Jason Voorhees' father, Elias Voorhees. What? Uh, grew a big beard. Uh, and a, a gentleman named Jason Brooks played Jason. Uh, great fan film. They've asked me if I'll come back in 2021 and, and do a sequel, Bloodline. And I said, well, let's take a look at the script and see what it's about. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Earlier this year, before the bottom fell out, uh, I worked for Deborah Voorhees and uh, a, another producer, Joel, uh, on a film called 13 Fanboy. It's the lead is Dee Wallace. You may remember her. Uh, wow. And everybody from Deborah Voorhees to Lar Park Lincoln to Kane Hodder is in it, Corey Feldman. So it's what? done. It's on the shelf. It's ready for distribution. I think they just need to decide are they going to go to Netflix, you know, Hula, or are they going to go for uh, theater distribution first? And 2020 has been very, very unfortunate. We've, you know, unfortunately, well over a quarter million people have passed away with the virus. So I don't think they're in a hurry. I think they're waiting until we have some safeguards to get going forward. Man, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Wow. Um, but yeah, you're right. You know, 2020's halted a lot of production. Um, they're being smart about it. You know, just see what happens. Right, right. So we'll see. But, uh, you know, for me personally, Chewy, it's like, here we are. I mean, uh, I've been doing some podcasts. Uh, I have a website, uh, jasonvoreystore.com or jasonvi, jason6.com. And a lot of fans are buying machetes and masks and 8 by 10 color uh, pictures off. I just sent two machetes out yesterday. I've got a mask upstairs to send out and I've got somebody sending me a jersey to sign. So I'm trying to keep in contact with the fans and they go to the website where they can contact me and, and get items signed or buy items. So we're doing our connectivity as much as we can, but looking forward to 2021. Uh, everything goes right. First convention I'll be doing will be Days of the Dead in Atlanta, Georgia. That'll be the end of February. Wow. Uh, I'll be in full wardrobe. Uh, you know, I've also lined up about 10 conventions next year, Texas Fright Mirror, Spooky Empire, huge one, Monster Mania. Uh, that's a monster horror convention, as is Texas Fright Mirror. So hopefully everybody will get their shots or be healthy. And, you know, nothing's going to change for a while, but we're always going to be very conservative, wearing our mask and, and keeping uh, following guidelines for CDC as much as we can, you know, six feet, et cetera. So Hopefully 2021, we can all start feeling like we're human again. Oh, man. Can't wait. <laughs> um, could you hold on one second? I'm, I'm sorry. Sure. Okay, sorry about that. I had to close my blinds. The sun rays were hitting my face and the webcam. <laughs> no problem. Hey, everybody out there, just so you know, Chewy had to get up and close the window. He ain't wearing shorts. Uh, Butt ass naked under that T-shirt, guys. <laughs> Why'd you tell him, CJ? <laughs> I always give people a hard time because I see those uh, TV shows where they're not wearing, they're just wearing their shorts and tennis shoes and they got the suit on the top. I seen that. Didn't somebody in the news get caught doing that? All right, why not? <laughs> From the waist up, why work hard? Work smart. And you know, I the closest thing to that I've done is uh, one time I was at work, 
And uh, I was uh, on my lunch break sitting down. And, um, you know, I had an itch down there on my sack. So I went to scratch and I felt a bare ball. And I'm like, I had ripped my pants and I was uh, going commando. So I had a testy hanging out. <laughs> I, you know, I ripped mine a lot. You know, I've got a big old Ram truck with 37 inch tires. And this past week I had to step up on one of the tires to get to the uh, back and rip. So I probably ripped four or five pair of pants getting on that truck. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It's not the pants are tight. It's just that truck is big. You know, it's one, I just, you know, it's got a 10 inch lift on it. So, I mean, it's, it's a monster. Holy shit. But you're a big dude. I mean, big truck. Yeah, big when I get out of it, it's not like, you know, you, you don't see, you know, you know, <laughs> a little four foot person get out of it. I mean, I'm six, three, <laughs> six, four. When I get up in the morning, I shrink to six, three by the time I go to bed. But other than that, <laughs> I could imagine somebody if they have road rage, they're like, "Hey, asshole!" You get out of the truck, they're like, "Never mind." <laughs> yeah, my truck's big. It's satin black, blacked out windows all the way around. You, you, the people just kind of look at it like mm, it's got the Punisher logo on the hood. So I think most people, and it says Army Eleven Bravo on the license plate, which is my license from the state. Oh, so I think wow. most people are going, "What is that? A tank?" <laughs> beast mode yep and uh so in your military career like did, did you ever experience anything crazy like if you don't mind talking about it, it it's okay if you don't want to you know I, I i was infantry i did my job i did my training um did what i had to do uh you know i uh, had an opportunity to work overseas um guarding and working with persian nuclear missiles uh that were in the German side facing the Russian side, so to speak. That was wow. when East Germany and West Germany existed. Uh, you know, it was a little different era then. It was just coming off the Vietnam era um, when I went in. So the Vietnam era means the conflict. The campaign was over in 1975. There are soldiers, men and women that stepped on soil. We call them, I call them Vietnam vets. And then those, those of us that served during the Vietnam era, I think the conflict started in 1959 and the campaign ended in 1975. So you would be in that window. Um, but then some people are Vietnam vets, 69, 68, 70. And of course we started getting our soldiers home in 73 uh, POWs. Um, I, I did my job, you know, um, it was, I wouldn't, I I'd do it again. Um, you train for it, you do your job, and sometimes it's hard for people to understand, but it's not that you're better than anybody. It's just that when you put the uniform on, you have expectation to the person next to you and the person next to you when you're in that foxhole. Um, so, but I have no complaints. I was a sergeant. Uh, I had a platoon. I was an E5. Usually it's an E7 sergeant first class, but there was a shortage of sergeant first class because a lot of them had recently came back and gotten out of the military. Um, so it was an experience, but it also was my first role as a true leadership rather than just being a squad leader, uh, to be a platoon sergeant with four squads means approximately 30 soldiers below you. So I have no, no bad feelings about it. I worked, I trained, uh, I went on alert, I did my job and, you know, um, I have an honorable discharge. You know, I, I like how, nonchalant you are about it you're like yeah i was jason you know i just did my job <laughs> but i mean that's huge man that, it's that's the same amazing. thing though i think you know you know being jason i mean one thing you got to realize too is i tell everybody this leadership is difficult 
takes time, patience, training. Dictatorship is easy. Anybody can be a dick. I like it. Very true. So simple. Very true. So for me, you know, to get to be a chief operating officer of a billion dollar casino resort, give or take 2,500 employees, yada, 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 or a sergeant in the military, um, the people around you, the fans made me who I am today. I was, I gave, I got a role. I gave it all. People liked it. We're still talking about it 30 years later. Um, stay humble, stay appreciative. Never forget where you came from. Never forget. Very wise words, man. And um, so I, I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but what was your favorite Jason kill? Easy. The sheriff. And the reason I say that Chewy is, uh, first, let me tell you Kane Hodder's favorite kill, the sleeping bag. Slam him the... against the tree and all the bones breaking. <laughs> oh, My shit. favorite kill is breaking the sheriff's back. Very similar. Kane and I are both of similarities because there's no blood. There's no guts. You know, anybody can splash blood against a window. And But when you think about the power, the force it would take to bend somebody backwards and snap them like a turkey wing, that's wicked. Yeah, that's pretty Think fucking... Think about that, man. It makes you shoot. It's pretty fucking brutal, especially how Jason breaks things or breaks people's bones, like, slowly. Instead of, like, snapping the neck, he's like... Yep. Like, wow. Um, unstoppable, powerful, but, yeah. Uh, breaking the sheriff's back is my favorite. I love it. Um, And uh, so... You know, I heard there was rumors of like, you know, Ash from Ash um, from uh, Evil Dead that he was going to fight Jason or something like that. You know, I I haven't heard that. Uh, You know, here's how I look at the things, uh, Chewie. I'm not a real high fan of Jason versus Freddy or Predator versus Alien. You know, uh, the mummy versus the werewolf. I always think that the principal should be able to carry the movie entirely. If you have to have two or three different stories going on, I don't think they're strong enough to carry it as one and it's time to put it on the shelf. So, you know, I I wasn't personally a big fan of Freddy versus Jason because I think Jason should carry his own seat. But, you know, people always say, what about Jason versus Michael Myers? With the same thing. Michael's got his place. Freddy's got his place. Jason's got his place. And Leatherface has got his place. I think when you start crossing all the wires, you lose what it was or what it is. And if it's not strong enough to carry itself, then maybe you need to just leave it on the shelf. I agree with you hundred percent. And, um, you know, I, I liked Freddy versus Jason, but I thought I was like, wait, they both can't die. I mean, they both keep coming back. You know, Exactly. And that's the point, you know, and it, and it can't just necessarily be a draw because that's odd too. And if you think about it, you know, at the end of the day, Freddie is in the mind. So how can Jason be involved in the mind? You know, so I guess it's complicated. I mean, I can see how you could do it. And if you want to make, you know, 100 million, I guess you could do it. I'm not putting that down, making the money. But I look for the longevity. I don't want it to people to go, oh, that was, you know, like when, when part five came out, it wasn't received as well as they wanted it to. And that's why when part six came out, it really had to be a launching platform back to the true value of what Jason was, such as in part four. Yeah, a lot of people um, mentioned that part six is the best out of all of them. 
and I'm like, well, when you have a machete to your throat, they all say I'm the best. But <laughs> as soon as they get down the street, they say Kane is the best, or they get a little further and they start saying, well, Derek Mears. You uh, <laughs> just don't know. It depends on where what block they're on. But when they get to my block, they say I'm the best. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm a huge fan of you and Kane. I mean, you guys are amazing, and um, I really hope you come back, man. I I'm looking forward for part thirteen. You know. But I, I totally agree with you. You know, if, if their stories are, you know, like you said, you know, you don't want to be in Mars. Like, that would make no, no sense. You know, I agree. But I, I, and again, I'm not an expert. But if the storyline has, you know, by the right person and there's something there, the substance, rather than just running around and killing, it's got to have a little bit of storyline, right? Um, and I could deliver. I want to be able to deliver a product. I mean, Chewie, I'll be honest. I'll take both ankles. I'll probably take my knee, you know, because uh, – <laughs> You know, in the young days, I could tuck and roll. Now I go thump when I hit the ground. <laughs> but thump is okay because, you you know, that's part of the role of Jason. You hit that ground, you just got to – I may not get up as fast, but that's why they call cut. All right, let's get ready for the next shot. <laughs> <laughs> you limping but away. I want to make sure that I can give a product. I want, I want my fans, our fans, our fans, meaning all of us, to go, that was cool. I mean, he still got it 35 years later. That's crazy. And to me, that's an honorable response. And to be able to do that would be not just impressive to myself, but a special honor to people who would want me back to come do it after that long. And as I said, the face got some gray, you know, but physically I'm the same structure, you know, my arms, my chest, everything's my waist, I believe is a 35. I used to be a 33. Other than that, my legs, everything is the same. So if the wardrobe of a similarity, you're going to see that same structure standing and no differently when I was helicopter, same physical structure, just standing there. And it's not about my face being ugly, pretty or dumb. It's just a matter of, can I walk? Can I kick some ass? And uh, do I take names? And, uh, yeah, definitely, man. You're in great shape. And um, maybe you could Thank send you. me some tips, some workout routines. <laughs> hey, well, you know what? I, it's, it is a lifestyle. I've been doing it since I was in the military when I was 17. And I've just always maintained it. Um, again, like I said, I don't play golf. So, you know, everybody knows on the golf course and I'm going to the gym. So it's not that it's right or wrong or indifferent. It's just who I am. And it's just natural. I will tell you, Chewie, one thing while we wrap this up is that one thing about part six that I always tell the fans that they may or may not think about until I say it, then they go, Oh, that's true. Part six is the only Friday the 13th with the James Bond opening. Part six is the only scene with Jason coming back to life. Like Frankenstein part six is the only movie that has a rock and roll hall of famer, Alice Cooper doing the music. And part six is the only Friday the 13th, that Jason gets to wear a Batman utility belt. Holy fuck. Wow. <laughs> Think about it. Wow. That's unique right there. I didn't think of all those things. And most people don't because, you know, I'm looking at it characteristically differently over the years, but that's what makes it special. And just so you know, there's no nudity in part six. There's two or three total swear words, and there's a little bit of comedy in it. But nobody ever makes fun of Jason. He's still a BA. He still has bad attitude and kicks butt. So I think they were able to put a film together that still has all the qualities of horror, 
without going too far to the left, the right, or the middle, or conservative. You know what? It's something you can put a 10-year-old in front of. And with the exception of the scariness of it, you're not going to be in, in, have to cover the eyes all the time, you know? Yep, yep, very true. Uh, as a kid, I always watched horror movies. And, um, yep, you know, Jason, there's always be, like, boobs popping out, teenagers partying. And, yeah, and it's they, all great. They, don't misconstrue. But they don't have to fizz. I mean, there's some nice T-shirts out there nowadays. You know, you don't really, <laughs> you know, you can really kick it and still make it where it's yes. But I think that's one thing that Tom put into his, if you think about it, because there's a couple scenes where the kids are getting it on in the motorhome, but nobody's butt naked. You see a T-shirt, right? You know, a tank top. So I think it was a good movie. It was done well with good taste, and I think the fans received it well. And I'm very fortunate, and humble, and appreciative to be sitting here talking about it. Like I said, over three decades later. So Chewy, I do appreciate you, and sincerely, not just me saying this, but I know that all the Jasons uh, appreciate the fans and the loyalty that they have towards the Legion of Friday the Thirteenth and Jason. And, um, you know, appreciate it, man. Um, like I said, this is a dream come true. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. All right, buddy. Look forward to talking to you again. Good luck with everything and take care, all right? Yep. And um, just uh, Rebby, uh, real quick, uh, what were the, the websites again um, where they could find your stuff? If anybody's interested, I have the complete jasonvorheesstore.com. Just spell it out. And or you can just go to jasonvi, jason Six dot com uh it'll pull you up if you don't remember that everybody knows cj graham just pull up cj graham on google and one of the top five or six it'll be jason cj graham's personal website click on to it and open it up awesome man thank you once again man all right guys take care thank you so much everybody be cool later bye-bye Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. And if you'd like to support this podcast, check out anchor.fm slash screamingchewy gmail.com. Any contribution is greatly appreciated and that makes you my producer. If not, that's cool. I'm just happy you're tuning in. And hey, Screaming Chewy Show merch. Yeah, that's right. At teespring.com. Just Google teespring, T-E-E spring, Screaming Chewy Show. Just go with that. It'll take you right there. And uh, yeah, you could buy hoodies, t-shirts, socks, masks, you know, if there's any stuff you'd like to see on there or purchase, just let me know and I'll add it on. And uh, yeah, you'll be rocking, styling, social media. Don't forget to follow me on there on Facebook, Screaming Chewy Show, 
I like to share memes, just make up stupid shit, share my episodes on there, and just whatever. Um, check out my YouTube for video versions of my podcast episodes. Also, in between episodes, I like to add me streaming. Yeah, watch me get scared playing a creepy game or die playing PUBG or some shit, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, just check out my YouTube and uh, Twitter. It's at Ch- Screaming Chewy. Yeah, not Screaming Chewy Show. I should change it to that. But for now, it's just Screaming Chewy. And uh, thanks again for tuning in. See you next week. Peace.